right, welcome to the X5 Podcast, everybody. We're back again. We finally broke the streak of having nothing but musicians as guests on this podcast. I'm really excited for today's guest. I didn't think we'd be able to get him. But, you know, big things are happening. The bigger you get, the bigger guests you get. So now we're starting to get some guys with some meat on the bone. Today's guest is, and let me go through this list of shit he's accomplished. This guy is a podcaster, a pit master. He's a dad. He's a comic. He's a coach. He's a husband. And last week, I just found out he's a pilot. So, so <laughs> Jesus Christ. everybody, welcome Dave Williamson to What's the- up, dude? Welcome, What's Good up, to boys? see you, dude. How are thanks, you? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I thought David was trying to murder me when he sent me the address to this place. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, a country road, country road. I'm like, yeah, when CR oh, is right. in the address, buddy, that yeah. is like, yeah. in the man. sticks. Dude, I remember, so I went to school at Auburn, Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Auburn University. So I grew up in Miami, Florida. So living in the the South South was uh, yeah. foreign to me. And uh, I went to go vote for the first time ever. And on the ballot for voting, it said like you know name, and then it said address, and then under it there was a space, and it said if you don't have an address, draw a map to your house here. <laughs> and I was like, where am I going to school? Like, you know, how did you pick Auburn to go to school? We're being from Miami. Um, well, the easy answer is my dad and my uncle both went there, so I was, um, you know, I was a fan. And in 1996, uh, my senior year of college. Uh, that's when Auburn went undefeated. Yeah. Oh, so they were wow. starting to get like on that. This is before like direct TV and shit, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, they were on like national TV a couple times. I started getting into really watching. So I always rooted for them, but they were never on TV. And then, uh, you know, they went undefeated. And my uncle took me up to watch them play in Gainesville. And yeah. we we uh we won on that last touchdown pass to Frank Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that. I think I'd grown up going to Miami Hurricane games and watching the Miami Hurricanes just stomp people, you know? Yeah, yeah that, so that, that decade. I knew what it sounded like for a stadium to be loud, but what was awesome was hearing an away stadium go quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so when all those Gator fans just were like, ah, oh, boy, I was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> That's funny, man. When did you uh that- that when you uh you grew up uh, a Miami fan and then you didn't become an Auburn fan until you went to college there really yeah I mean I, since my dad went there like I was kind of rooted they were like my second team in the back of my head but I got passionate about it once I went there obviously the first time I ever see him do stand up comedy he kind of you know when you're in Alabama you gotta you can't be jump out on stage and be like where are you going then <laughs> half the room's gone you know so he yeah. was like I went to college here I'm not gonna tell you which one and I remember just looking down at his <laughs> shoes while he was saying that and he had orange and blue shoes on and I was like I know who he's pulling yeah. for yeah. <laughs> well so I was opening for Bert at the yeah. Stardome right? that's yeah. when I met you and uh, you know when you're the I did it last night last night in Huntington I taught Huntington um, Huntsville, Huntsville. <laughs> California brain. Uh, when I was in Huntsville, I told them, hey, I went to Auburn and I told Auburn stories, whatever. But when you're the opener, like, and they didn't come to see you and they might not have ever heard of you, especially back then, um, I didn't want to give them a reason to hate me. Yeah, your, yeah, room, yeah, yeah. your, your job is yeah. to ru- warm the room up. Yeah, and in Birmingham, if I walk out and go yeah. like, hey, War Eagle, half the room's not rooting for me to be funny all of a sudden. Probably more yeah. than half. Probably yeah. more than half. It, they, they take that more serious than religion here, man. It's, oh. it's oh, like yeah. Alabama or Auburn. What are what are you? Yeah, you, you, know? you, you can't tell me, man. I, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> you can either be funny or not funny to them, and it all hangs on that damn question <laughs> yeah. right there. Hey, but then at the end of my set, uh, I was like, hey, man, thanks, everyone, for having me. Or and then I get off stage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What? So you grew up in Miami? Grew up in Miami. Okay. 
one of uh, the, I didn't realize that it was that because now it's like a thing. Everyone knows yeah. Florida man, yeah. and and you know, oh, yeah. Florida's crazy yeah. and all this stuff. You know, it was just life when I was growing up. I didn't know until I moved to other parts of the country yeah. that. And now, even when I look back and look at photos, I'm like, oh my god, I wore that when I was like a kid, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, or or we did that crazy shit, like you know. I don't know. It, it's it's all true. It's Dude. all true. It's all the Florida stuff. But you grew up in a bubble. You didn't know it. No, nah, I didn't know, man. It was nine hour drive to the next state. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's rednecks for real in Florida. So I lived in Hollywood. You know. Um, yeah, like Fort Lauderdale area. Yep. And uh, and then like uh, what is it? Sunset. You know, Sunset, Florida. They have this. Yep. They have this fucking flea market there. Yep. And there's there's a circus in it. In inside the, the fucking flea market but it's oh. like a, it's bougie it's like a flea market mall and this was back in the mid 90s and you'd walk in and like it's an indoor um and and seriously so it's kind of laid out like a mall then they had an outside <laughs> an outside part but no shit in the middle of this thing they have a circus <laughs> once a day and everybody <laughs> inside this flea yeah. market i was like holy shit i'm from you know i'm, I'm moved down there from alabama and i'm thinking well, maybe we're not as redneck as I, <laughs> yeah. as I thought. We were. <laughs> no, man, there, there's no, nothing. There's nothing like a Miami flea market or garage sale, dude. No, <laughs> no. Miami garage sale. Dude, you you could go. There's probably gonna be like brass knuckles on the table. Yeah, and you could like buy a child. You could literally buy anything you want. <laughs> dude, so we we almost thought my kid got kidnapped when we had a garage sale. Yeah. It was, <laughs> swear to God, it was the scaredest I've ever been in my life. When we were getting ready to move away from Miami, I was having a garage, and my grandma was like the queen of garage sales. Like, I yeah. grew up in garage sale culture, right? So we, we decided to move from Miami to LA. You know, this was like 2012, like that, right? And uh, I was like, all right, I'm selling all of our shit, I'm selling everything. Yeah. yeah, you know, we're starting over. And uh, my wife's like, just my wife's the kind of person. She's like, just throw it away. And I'm like, no, money for the I'm, I'm gonna sell broken tools to people. Like, <laughs> get, we can get eight bucks for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and my my wife would be like, uh, no, that's unethical. You can't. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna tell them it's broken, and they're gonna buy it anyway. So like, yeah. yeah, I, I don't know how you don't know this. Like people will buy anything. <laughs> Ask like, grandma. Uh, she'll yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah. My grandma. I once saw my grandma. We were having a garage sale, and there was like a little Easter. Um, decoration. It was like a plastic bunny that you would put in your front yard, yeah. right? And so my grandma would she would swap. She'd go to a garage sale and buy something for fifty cents, and then sell it for a dollar at her garage sale, like all yeah. the time, right? So this bunny thing was like marked for like a quarter, right? Yeah. And my grandma went inside to go to the bathroom for a second, and this old lady comes up and looks at me and goes, "I give you a nickel for that, right?" I was like five years old, right? <laughs> so I was like, "Okay," like you know, like. And so the lady gave me the nickel. And she's walking to her car, and my grandma walks out, and I go, "Here, grandma, I got, an, I sold it, something for a nickel." And she goes, "She goes, what'd you sell?" I go, "The bunny." She goes, "That's a quarter." And I go, "The lady gave me a nickel." My grandma chased <laughs> her down, walked over to that woman, said. How dare you scam a five-year-old? Yeah. You, know? you owe me 20 cents. And the lady goes, I'm not giving you 20 cents. She goes, I'm taking the bunny back. And my grandma didn't give her the money back or <laughs> she took the bunny back. The nickel, the yeah. whole nickel. I was like, damn, don't fuck with grandma. Yeah. So we were having a garage sale at my house and we're selling all of our stuff. And I'm in the zone. right? And my kids were really young at the time. My youngest son was probably one or two maybe, and my older son uh, is like two years older than him, right? Right. So uh, 
The other thing in Miami is, is uh, it gets crazy with like the different cultures of people, right? So Haitian people are um, something that they do is they come and they buy all kinds of shit at garage sales and then they ship it back to their country, right? Yeah. Oh wow. So that's great. But here's the move, and, and I'm, I don't think I'm like speaking ill of a uh, culture or anything by <laughs> right. saying this because it's a hundred percent something that happens all the time. Right. <laughs> they'll if you're selling a suitcase, they'll come over and they'll pick up the suitcase. And they'll shove all like clothes and stuff into the suitcase yep. and zip it over. Uh, and then they'll go up and they'll go, how much for the suitcase? And they want you to think they're just buying the suitcase. Right. Uh, but so you're like, them. oh, $5. But they don't, they're hoping you don't realize that you, they have $80 of shit inside of it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, dude, I've been watching uh, you the whole time. You owe me 80 bucks. You know? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> so, so I told my wife, I go, babe, I'm going to sell all this shit. I need you to just take care of the kids, take care of all the noise. Cause I need to make sure people don't steal our shit. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm watching everything and that I got everything under control because it's rock and roll time. Right. Yeah. So she's supposed to be watching the kids and her friend was over cause they brought stuff over to sell too. And so there's four or five kids running around everywhere. Right. Right. And there's just people everywhere, everywhere. And I'm just like trying to take control of that and make sure. And they're, they're all thieves to him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to watch. Oh, yeah, you better not steal my broken uh, Ryobi drill. Like, so so my wife comes out and she goes, I can't find Owen. This is my like, well, yeah. one year old, right? I go, what do you mean you can't find him? She goes, I can't find him. She's like panicking now, right? Oh, hell and, yeah. and I'm like. Well, he's got to be in the house. She's like, I, I, I didn't want to tell you until I searched everywhere. She goes, I searched everywhere. And the gate, they were in the backyard, and the gates open on the side of the house. She's like, did anyone go on the side? I'm like, I don't know. Like, So now I'm panicking. We're looking at I'm like, just about to call 911. Like, you know, you, you, don't, you don't know. Like, do, you, right. do I, what do you do? Like, right. is, is it, yeah. it's not like a dog that runs away. <laughs> you know, like, he's, he's, he couldn't have got that far. Right. So, I mean, we're just searching everywhere. And right as we're about to call 911, I'm going through, I had like a man cave in my garage. Yeah. So I'm going from the garage garage through my man cave into my house and I smell shit in my, uh, in my man cave. Right. Fabby. Yeah. Yeah. I go, I think, I think I have a clue. Jinxie. Right. He, he would always, whenever he'd shit his diaper, he'd go hide somewhere. Right. And we'd already checked all his hiding spots. But since I took everything out of my desk, the, the uh, cabinet was empty. So he had climbed into the cabinet, closed it, and was in there just filling his diaper up. Oh, shit. Oh, suffocating on yeah. his own shit. Oh, and, and I was like, oh, my God. But I didn't check there because there's always that thing's always packed full of books and shit. Yeah. But he could have actually found a new hiding spot. And I mean, dude, for a split second, I'm like, I was for sure. You were going to check all, gone. The, all the Haitian people with suitcases. I was, was going to go check every suitcase in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best story to tell his girlfriend when yeah. he gets one. Now oh, it comes yeah, over. Yeah, Let me sure. tell you about yeah, this yeah. one right here. <laughs> yeah. One time, oh. Owen shit so bad that you can track him with it. His <laughs> <laughs> shits are a GPS system. <laughs> so I finally, so we we left Miami to move to LA, and I bought a 25 foot travel trailer. Yeah, and we were supposed to do a three month tour, and we were gonna go, and I was gonna do gigs all along the way. Yeah, right? yeah. bring them on the road with me. And uh, it was awesome. I actually booked up the whole three months, right? And geographically, it was going to make sense. We went all the way up into Canada. We went um, up into the, like, Washington State and all over. And then we end up in L.A., right? And I knew when I put that trip together and my <laughs> wife agreed to it, I was like, week one, I'm going to either realize this is an awesome idea right. or we're going to be divorced. <laughs> right. One of the two, right? So after the first few days, I'm like, this is awesome. This is going to be such a great 
trip or whatever. But the first night we were in Tampa, that was my first gig, and we I almost backed the trailer into a, a lake because we pulled in late at night. Yeah, and uh, I couldn't see back there. And oh, I at a campground like, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was like this. There was this dude who's a guardian angel. Uh, guardian angel. His name's Mike. And uh, he has a flashlight on his belt 24 hours a day. Still does to this day, right? And uh, him and his <laughs> wife are RVing. And Mike walks. He's like, Mike is a dude that would be, get cast in a movie to play a dad. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like the the guy, he reminds me so much of the dude from that uh, Where's the Millers movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, that Ron Swanson player. Yeah. So this guy, I'm about to back up into the lake. And this guy walks up to me and he goes, uh, hey, friend. And I go, hey, bud. He's like, you want me to help you back up? And I go, that'd be great. And he's like, because if you back up any further, you're going to go down that, like, (laughs) into the lake, and it's going to be a very short trip. I'm like, oh, shit. And he pulls his little flashlight out, and he shows me, right? So I get out, and I'm like, introduce myself. I'm like, man, thank you so much, bro. Thank you so much. I'm like, it's my first time RVing. Uh, Literally, it's night one of our trip. That's the way people are in campgrounds. They're nice as Totally, bro. So I was like, like, you know, I I got all these projects I got to do that I didn't get done before we left the thing, and I'm just overwhelmed, and I got... And he's like, oh, okay, no problem, man, have help. Next morning, 9 a.m., he taps on my uh, trailer door. <laughs> I, I open it up. He's got his flashlight in his belt. He's got a tool, uh, a set of tools in his other hand. And he goes, uh, you want some help with those projects? I'm like, you are a fucking angel. Yeah, right? man. Uh, yeah. So uh, me and that guy sat there. We did all our little projects. So you know the little tower that you plug your uh, the power source yeah, into, yeah, right? The big 30-amp thing yeah. or whatever? Well, this one was missing like a panel, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Owen who was same same kid like a week later after we only thought he shut himself he, he walks out and he grabs a screwdriver and he looks at that thing and he shoves it into the power tower yeah. and i just hear him go Bleh! like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this kid almost got kidnapped and almost electrocuted himself within a week i'm he like really shit himself yeah, yeah. yeah. it's amazing he's he's uh 13 now it's amazing he's made it there dude I, yeah y'all homeschool too like us so yeah i remember um we started because of that trip we started homeschooling them and then it was kind of the thing to do after that yeah uh what made you go to california just well, back then you had to go uh, to everyone. You, I asked everyone's advice, right? Because I was working as a comedian in Miami for a long time, and all the big name comics had come through. I mean, you know, you, you yeah. chew their ear off with, "Hey, man, what's the next step? What should I do?" And they all say, "You got to go to Miami or L.A. I mean, L.A. or New York. Yeah, New you'll York. you'll know when you outgrow your scene. Like you'll know, you'll know." And then one, day, I didn't know what they meant. Cause I'm like, "Well, if you outgrow your scene, that means you're doing good. So if you're doing good, why wouldn't you just stay where you're at?" Right. But then one day. I was like doing a gig and I'm sitting in the green room and I just go, I think I've outgrown this scene. Like, you know, yeah. I'm like, it's time to find something, another opportunity. And uh, then three weeks after that, uh, the whole industry changed. And, yeah. and it feels like overnight, uh, now you could have a podcast studio that's badass off Country Road 98. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to be in. This is nicer than any podcast studio I've ever been in in LA or New York. Right. Uh, we but you, you can do it from anywhere now, man. You know, We killed a flea with a stick of dynamite with a studio. For <laughs> yeah, sure. we, yeah, we did. <laughs> Dude, so... Um, I'm interested in so David's brought some of your seasoning too. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, dude, he's 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 like big time into smoking meat now. Yeah, so my, my wife, man. my wife did the cool thing, man, and I got a buddy Rob Nelson. Um, he he retired as a police officer. He's always done like barbecue competitions and stuff like that, but so now he's doing it full time, right? So. I'm always calling him, hey, man, how the fuck do I do this? And it not suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and just kind of get, but man, I've, I've become severely addicted to it. Like, 
it's dude is so therapeutic that's how it gets you man yeah for sure i I got my little app so i got the uh the new pit boss like the meat locker competition style Mm -hmm. bluetooth and wi-fi i'm like what the fuck you know this is badass and i've been smoking like shit well and cooking yeah uh, but, but like for like at least three or four days a week yeah no that's hooked. that's how that's how it happens man that's what happened to me i feel like i was just on the forefront of everyone in the world yeah like uh realizing that you can do this at home and it becoming real popular so yeah. i kind of you know it's kind of like people who got into craft beer right before every town had like six breweries you yeah. know yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. uh that, that was me I, I did the same thing i i got um you know, I'd go on the road and I'd eat barbecue everywhere and I loved eating barbecue. You mm-hmm. know, that was my, I loved finding, you know, gems of barbecue places everywhere in the country. Yeah. And uh, I got, I just got mad one time. I went to Texas and I had like, obviously like the most amazing barbecue, like every yeah. day I was there. And I went home and I literally got mad. I, I took my wife and go, let's go to the local barbecue joint. I'm still craving barbecue. And we go down there and we're eating and I'm getting mad at the meal I'm eating. I'm like, why would you own a fucking restaurant? If you're not gonna care enough to have good product. Right, you know what I mean? right, right, and so right. I told her, I go, I'm buying a fucking smoker. I'm teaching myself, like you know. And I did. I went that day and I bought a hundred dollar, yeah, cheapy offset smoker from Home Depot that ended up being really difficult to cook with because it was like, you know, it, it had gaps everywhere and was like cheap yeah. metal, so it just didn't maintain temp. And I put charcoal in the firebox and I put wood chips in the drip tray because I didn't know anything. I was just. Looking at it, and I go, this makes sense. Like you need, you need wood. <laughs> so it's trial and error yeah, for yeah. years. Yeah. So then, uh, after I screwed that up, I was like, I should probably watch some YouTube videos. <laughs> like, you know? Do they make them so dummy proof now? Though. Now it's, it's like easy. Crazy, Those pellet man. smokers, and they, you can yeah. have a great product off them. And uh, you know, I, I started with that one, and then I ended up getting a uh, digital, um, yeah. you know, uh, master built digital smokehouse, which is just it looks like a little mini fridge that you plug I in. Had, yeah, I had one of those too. Yeah. So that's when I finally started pumping out some good barbecue because yeah. you, you know, it took the fire management part out of it, go concentrate on the food, and then once I got good at the food part, I went back to learning how to you know manage the fires and stuff. Now I have five smokers in my front Dude, yard. Now, they, now the <laughs> companies mail them to him. Now oh, he doesn't man. have to buy shit; they well. just send them to his house. Hey man, we He's need endorsed. to try another one out over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, dude, next time you come through, oh, we got some more time, and we need to like. Come through, hang out all day. We'll smoke Dude, some fucking meat. I'm in, man. I'm in. And just kick Dude, it. I'm but down. What's your go-to? Like, if you had to pick one fucking thing, man, and you're well, like really wanting to, really wanting to throw your fucking dick on the table, <laughs> what, what's the go-to dish? That you that you do. I mean, beef ribs. Yeah, that, that's a showstopper. Yeah, it's it, it, it's so it's uh the margin of error is so much um more forgiving on beef ribs than it is on brisket. And uh, you know, everyone loves a brisket and the pack. All I see is you do brisket for the most part. You're yeah. always squeezing that shit right in the camera. I'm like, <laughs> killing motherfuckers out here. He's killing them. Well, because when you have a lot of people come over, brisket feeds a ton of people. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So um. You know, the, the brisket is fun and is a showstopper, but the beef ribs is like, yeah, that that's what people go. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> so yeah. I did. I did the El Segundo Dad's Club does a meat fest. Yeah. El oh. Segundo is my neighborhood that I live in out that's there. That's cool. So they do a meat fest every year and I'm never in town for it. And so this year I was actually in town. It was last week. And I go, all right, I got to cook something. right? <laughs> and then everyone's talking shit on the thread. Of course. And so I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, I go, I got it. I can't lose. It would be embarrassing for me to lose it. Yeah. You know? Right. So I got to at least like, you know, do something. But I was so busy. My kid had games like an hour away. Yeah. And I'm never home to see him play either. So I'm like, I'm not going to miss his games. 
and uh, I didn't have time to go shopping like or, or go to anywhere and get anything special. So I just pulled a brisket and some beef ribs I had in my freezer out to defrost. And I'm like, all right, somebody else is going to bring a brisket. Someone else might bring beef. I'm like, how do I snazz this up, right? right. Yeah. Well, my buddy, who's my barbecue mentor that I call all the time, like you call your buddy. Yeah. Uh, his name is Bart's Barbecue uh, on Instagram. Check him out, B-A-R-T-Z. I think it's a uh, period and then barbecue. Um, but he uh, lives close to me, and I hit him up, and I go, hey, man, let me borrow your little taco cart, and I'm going to make beef rib tacos. And he was like, well, I don't have anything going on. He's like, I go just meet you there with it, and now we don't have to put it out of my car and in your car. I go, deal. Yeah, let's go. So uh, <laughs> so I roll in there. They, they, I was late coming from the game, right? I roll in my house. I grab the shit out of the smoker. I'm like, let's go. And, uh, and we pull up, and they had just put all their food out, and they were all eating Right. And then me and my my two buddies were helping me carrying everything in and, and Bart's rolling with a taco cart and a Cambro. I could have just pulled the trays in the trays in, but I'm like, dude, it's gonna look cooler if we walk in with the whole Cambro. Yeah. And I got a I got a Neanderthal fire company cutting board up under uh, one arm and I got a meat cleaver under the other arm. And, and you're late in. and you're late coming into yeah, it. Yeah. So they're just starting to eat and they 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 all got their little uh, poker chips you put in the cups to vote, you know? Yeah. And I go, Hey boys, before you vote, give me ten minutes to whip up these tacos, right? Where do I set up? And then and then Bart's is there helping me, you know, make everything right and uh, that, he's a professional you yeah, know right. and so on the thread someone took a picture and sent it to the dads that weren't there they go the pro just brought a pro as an assistant i think we're all in trouble <laughs> <laughs> and, and and i won and i won you did win that's, that's great do not try something um fuck I, it was so good so i got two whole um beef tenderloins oh yeah and then trimmed them and Put a rub on them, um, kind of a my own bullshit that I'm, you know, trying to figure out what I like and some yeah. rosemary, some olive oil, some different things. Then I, so now I'm 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 where I'm trying things in the drip tray that steams into the meat. Oh, you yeah. know, like different liquids, like some beer with a little bit of you know certain things. So <clears throat> I smoked that, you know, low heat. And then after that, then I cut it and then pan seared it on both sides and rosemary and some and some butter and some things like that. So it was super healthy for you, man. Dude, it was so fucking good. Man. I can listen to Charlie talk about barbecue with his voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm like getting turned on. He's I mean, because you have a barbecue <laughs> voice, you know? And like, you sound like the guy. <laughs> barbecue voice. Well, you, but it's so uh, sexy, too, you know? So it's just like, I sliced the brisket. I'm over here going, and, yeah, and. and. <laughs> you, got, you got to go against the grain. Don't go with it. That's yeah. naughty. And then, you know, and, hearty. and then he's like, and then, and then you know what I've been getting into lately? Dripping. <laughs> Dude, it, it, that's the best impersonation I've ever seen. This show. It does sound yeah, like yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to break go in and go, no, 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 uh, you need to do this, but he was in the yeah, whole time. Yeah. Go ahead and rub a little bit of that sauce on your nipples. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. It's, it's so fun just to try that shit, though. Like, you're trying different shit because you really can't. It's hard to fuck it up unless you're just an idiot now. So that's know? what I tell people all the time is that everyone's like, oh, I'm uh, 
uh, intimidated to do a brisket because it's 60 bucks and I don't want to like mess up. Yeah. And I go, look, man, it's really hard to make a brisket inedible. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. just do it. That's the only way to learn is by trial and error. I go, yeah. but worst case scenario, like, like maybe you don't invite all your friends over until you've tried it a few times, right. but, but you're not going to waste it because if it's too tough, just chop it up, make tacos out of it, or yeah. chop it up and make sandwiches, like slice it thin and make sandwiches out of it or whatever. It's right. still going to be an edible piece of beef. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Dude, it sure. seems like such a job. Sometimes he'll post on his stories. He's been up drinking all night, and then he <laughs> he doesn't even look in the mirror. He just gets on his stories. His hair looks <laughs> yeah. like a struck match. It's 5 a.m. He's like... I may have I may have fucked this up. Really We're gonna check this out right now. It's like a lot of work, like setting alarms and getting up and making yeah. sure. That it yeah. seems like a lot of work. You're saying you can't fuck it up, but it looks like it's like it's like carrying a newborn baby around. Well, so now with all the all the rectex I have, if I'm gonna cook overnight, I throw it in there and it lets you sleep a little bit more. But um, I had a gravity fed smoker, a big ass, uh, a company called Assassin out of Georgia. Mm. So I had one of those for a long time. And that you'd have to get up and really check just to make sure that um, you know the the charcoal doesn't go out or yeah. you know that the the temperature is being maintained. You know, so when I when I cook overnight, I sleep on my couch so I don't wake my wife up all night long. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And I just I just hit the little the alarm goes off every two hours or so, and I just wake up and I what, walk you spray out. It or yeah, I go out. I'll, I this is my rule with spritzing. I, I sprit oh Charlie say the way oh, spritz. spritzing you want a little spritz you vixen um, when you uh, I, I and it's, if I'm gonna lift the lid anyways that's when I spritz but I don't lift the lid just to spritz right you know? okay I got you yeah I don't know I, I don't I don't have you ain't got the spritzing see, yet see, no, I'm not, hey, I knew he had big dicky, big dicky somehow oh, with the yeah. barbecue yeah, I'm new to the game baby you spritz bro <laughs> How much you spritz or swallow? Just, just, just curious. So um, I'm always telling Charlie, I was like, man, if you ain't, if you looking, you ain't cooking. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Hundred percent. So yeah. the thing that the my favorite thing about barbecue too is like, you know, I mean, look, this is gonna be cheesy and everything, but you know, I, the food's awesome. Obviously, yeah. you know, I love the food. Um, but like you said, I like more the fact that it's a therapeutic process. Yeah, man. It's fun. You feel accomplished when you knock it out of the park. Yeah. And also it makes people happy. Yeah. And other yeah. people seeing other people I enjoy love, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, now when bad. we go on tour and I cook for everyone, like I don't even yeah. care if I eat it. I just like, I'm like, I like to watch them like eat it. Like, you know, like, dude, everybody <laughs> talks about his cooking. Joy. Like Rogan talks about it nonstop. Yeah. Like anybody, when his name comes up, they're like. Man, he's the guy you want on tour with you. Sure. <laughs> Just the uh, the last episode of uh, Two Bears, um, yeah. Bert had Louis C.K. in as the guest bear. Did he? And uh, at the end of the episode, Louis goes, um, he's like, oh, yeah, that was so fun that time. Because we were in uh, Minneapolis, and he was at the theater down the street. And oh. so they were talking about that. And he goes... Man, he goes, Bert, you do it right. He's like, it's like an event. He's like, you go in there, and then there's like out in the parking lot, there's a barrel with charcoal and 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 uh, <laughs> well, tailgate. Yeah, and he's like, and your opening act is like cooking briskets and stuff. Yeah. And then Bert's like, yeah, Dave Williams. And I'm like, I'm like Louis C.K. would not have like, like remembered anything about me. Your, yeah, yeah but, but it makes an impression when people are like, dude, this is yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, it's so carnal too, brother. Like. Yeah. Like, it's just, for me, I didn't realize I would enjoy it as much as I have. Like, I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, and you, my, my wife's excited about it because she didn't have to fucking cook much, you know. It is the there. hobby my wife has gotten on the board with, on yeah. board with the most. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
She doesn't like the five smokers in my front yard, but oh yeah, <laughs> you know. that's your front yard. It looks like your backyard. Yeah, I guess it is your front. It's my front yard because <laughs> what the fuck does that mean, David? <laughs> no, it just look. I, I just assume it's man cavish. His yeah. setup is damn amazing. Dude. If you saw awesome. his setup, it's unbelievable. He's about to put in an oven, like a a brick real pizza yeah, oven. Pizza oven. This We're, company's gonna send it to me. That's Let me give them a shout out, dude. Because yeah. I'm pretty excited yeah, about do this. That, do oh, that. Let me find it. We're actually we're actually building. Uh, you know my my pit grill outside down there yeah. in the party area, so those guys are doing like another flagstone walkway and freshening all that up. Um, but they're, that's what they're doing. They're building me like a brick, like a pizza, oven. pizza oven out yeah. there. Yeah, oh, I'm getting cool. a pizza oven from a company called Forno Piombo, and Ooh, uh, that's, that's on Instagram. It's F O R N O P O. P-I-O-M-B-O. They're shipping Forno it. Piombo. Italian company, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> One more time. What was it? Forno Piombo. Gotcha. I guarantee he's not pronouncing that. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm the biggest gringo on earth, and that, uh, that, that translates even to, like, European countries. <laughs> They're like, uh, yeah, bring They're that like, back. Well, fuck, we're, we're going to send this that. guy well, a pizza oven. Growing up, growing up in Miami, I was, like, the biggest gringo, right? Like, I'd be in Spanish class, and I'd be like, gracias, un senor and everyone's like my spanish teacher would just be like what do i do with you right and then i went up i went up to auburn and i i got to test up straight to spanish too and i'm in spanish too and i'm like gracias un uh grac-. and, and then everyone's like he's a whiz kid oh my god like, he's amazing yeah you were a minority I was a good spanish there. speaker in auburn yeah <laughs> dude it was a culture shock for me man i moved from hartsell alabama when uh in like eighth grade or seventh grade to, to Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. You know, walking in, hey, y'all, how's everybody? They're like, where the fuck are you from? What the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, and I did the opposite. I, I moved out, I moved to Auburn, Alabama. I was the only kid wearing wife beater undershirts. And uh, I had a gold-plated shark tooth necklace. Had your khakis on, fucking, yeah. fucking pleated, or no, non-pleated, I'm sorry. No, bro. Everyone, so everyone at Auburn, I'm sure the uniform's the same. Everyone wore the pleated khakis with a white button-up shirt and the tiger the colored school color ties and yeah. the birmingham bangs that yep. david still rocks <laughs> yeah and, the birmingham bangs. right and then and uh and then i come walking through and i'm wearing like a wife beater undershirt uh hawaiian shirt over it unbuttoned yeah. uh corduroy shorts flip flops <laughs> you know i had a hat that i'd broken in perfect like with the bill all rolled up you know, Shit. Uh, bleached, uh, tipped hair. Like you know, I look like a boy band coming down the street. What'd you graduate? In? What'd you get? What degree did you get? Uh, human resource management, business degree, and then I got a minor in creative writing. So I had a professor. Shout out to Dr. McKelly, who uh, pulled me. I we had to take great books. That was a class that everyone had to take, right? Yeah. And most people hated it, right? It's like the Odyssey and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I loved it, man. I was like. This is pretty cool. You can find metaphor and like apply it to your life and whatever. And I'm just a good storyteller and bullshitter. So, uh, you know, my papers, I'd pull an all-nighter and I'd write some, you know, paper. And so he he asked me to stay after class one day. I'm like, oh, man, am I going to get, like, accused of something? Or whatever? Like, did, did I accidentally plagiarize this from somewhere? So he's like, Dave, I just want to talk to you about your, your uh, you know, your essays. He's like, you're, you're a really talented writer, man. He's like, I think you should consider changing your major to English. And I was like, this is the first time anyone's ever believed in me academically yeah. <laughs> with anything. And uh, it, it really touched me. And I was like, well, I don't really want to change because I thought I was going to go be in the car business with my dad for my whole life. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, I kind of need to get my business degree and I'm already halfway through with it, you know? Yeah. 
I don't know. I was like, but um, you know, but I took it to heart. So I was like, well, I'm gonna get a minor in creative writing. Yeah. And I uh, took two semesters of uh, poetry. Beautiful, intelligent uh, professor um, who like won a like literary awards and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, had some other really cool professors in um, in in my creative writing path. So yeah, I mean, I guess I'm doing more with that than I am my business end because <laughs> I would say I'm, I would say I'm a much better comic than I am uh, at making money doing comedy. <laughs> right. So, so I'm using my creative degree more than I'm using my yeah. business degree. <laughs> I could bore our audience to death asking them comedy questions though. I would just like there's so many millions of questions I want to ask them. Like fire away, man. You know, it, it, it's just Look, inside got, baseball shit. That, I gotta be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we I got. I, I got. I got time. I got time. Um, so you first started uh, doing open mics around Miami? No, I started in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. I chased my wife, um, who was my girlfriend at the time. She she was a year and a half older and or smarter than me. So she graduated a year and a half before me. You met her at Auburn? Or? Met her at Auburn. I was a captain of the water polo team. She was a lifeguard. It's a story as old as time. All <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> And, uh, How do they keep those horses from drowning? Oh, oh boy, <laughs> I, had, I had the I have not heard that joke since I've been in, since the last time I was in Alabama. Well, you're we, welcome. You're a, welcome. That's an old Jeff Foxworthy joke. Yeah. And we would go around and uh, do fundraising to all the tailgaters, and uh, and we'd walk up. We'd be like, "Hey, sir, we play for the Auburn Water Bowl. How do you keep the horses from drowning?" Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and we, we had to pretend like it was the first time we heard it every time. They're We're like, like oh, hilarious. Give us money. I've never heard it, actually. They got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was pretty funny. Uh, that's funny you brought that up. <laughs> um, so, we, uh, so yeah, I met her at Auburn, and then um, I she was living in Charlotte. She took a, a job up there teaching at a school, right? Right. So um, I, I moved up there, and I had taken, like, an improv class or two down in Miami, and yeah. I, I was writing for a student publication, so I, I was, like, getting some experience writing, you know? <clears throat> I always tried to make my articles funny and um, and uh, I go up to Charlotte and she was like, there's this place I heard of that is um, sounds right up your alley and I'm going to take you on a date. Go, cool. And it was a place called The Perch and it was a sketch comedy uh, club and it only sat about 80 people and the whole, it was a stage in the front and they had a, a risers on the side where the band would jam in between sketches. Oh, great. And then uh, there was couches. It was just a collection of couches and um, coffee tables that they had gotten from garage sales, basically, yeah. acquired over the years, right? And then when I first started, they had a, a brown bag license so people could bring in their own booze. And, oh, wow. and it was really cool because people would bring in all picnic. They would bring in like shrimp cocktail and picnics and make a whole night of watching our show. Right. Yeah. So I uh, so I went with her and had a blast. Right. And I was like the whole time I'm watching, though, I'm like, I could write this. I was a big Saturday Night Live fan. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I could do this. So I went up to him after and I go, I want to write for you guys. How do I write for you? And uh, they were like, well, we just write our own stuff. You have to try out to be in the group. And I'm like, well, I've never oh. performed <laughs> on stage before, really, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was in me, obviously, because I like 
Yeah, I, I love holding court at a party. Yeah. I, I was I was the outgoing guy always. I um yeah. I like when I was at Auburn, I noticed that it was always the same frat boys that were going up to try to win that. They had this thing called Mr. Glomerat, Mr. and Mrs. Glomerata, and it was like a beauty pageant. Yeah. In my senior year, I go, I'm gonna go out for that. I go, <laughs> I want to just make a mockery of this. Right. 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 So uh, so I did. I went out and I you know went up and there was a swimsuit one. I wore my speedo and you know like. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I you know I'd, I'd done stuff but never performed or like was in drama or anything you know the first so, time you got up you got up in front of her there so no so uh so I got in the group I, I auditioned I got in the group so I did like two years of sketch comedy and that's where I got like my um my I guess my stage uh yeah. experience right yeah. and then the dude who was like the main writer and like ran everything whatever he would do five minutes of stand-up comedy to start the show He'd give the rules as how the night's going to go. Uh, when the band's playing, that's when you can get up and go to the bathroom. Uh, when the band stops, our sketch is about to start. There's yeah. going to be about eight sketches. Uh, you know, And then the band would play. We'd do, we'd do two or three parody songs every show, too. So the yeah. band would play. We'd have to rehearse uh, every two weeks with the band, whatever our songs were going to be for the next two weeks. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, he, I, he did the same jokes for over a year. And so I just got <laughs> the same audience. Yeah, I mean, I mean pretty, pretty much. much. It was just... <laughs> He just had the jokes that worked and they were yeah. all the rules were in the jokes, you know? So I go, Hey man, can I do the opening one time? I want to try stand up. And he goes, please. <laughs> you know? He's like, you can do the late show tonight. And I'm like, every oh, week you can yeah. do it. Dude. So I did it and I ate it. But, <laughs> but one, my last joke, I made the band laugh. And I looked over. And it and was go, a W for you. you I right. go, that felt good. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was kind of cool. And so uh, so then the band, after they go, Dave, that was such a, I remember the joke, too. Uh, <laughs> but that was the that was the carrot that dangled in front of yeah. me that made me go, I'll do a little bit more stand-up. So yeah. I did. I went, I went to the Comedy Zone, did a show or two there, the mics. And then I drove, actually, you know what I did? There was one up in Raleigh, North Carolina at a good night's very and i go that's what i gotta do. i'm gonna get out of town and do like a real mic no one knows me yeah try it out so i went to go visit my buddy who was living up there and then i was like all right i'm gonna drive down and do the open mic i was so nervous right and i didn't know that not everyone got up on the open mic i thought you just showed up and signed up but they put your name in a bucket and they pull the names right oh that's the way that one was. yeah and uh and she I realize now that they were pulling the names of people who were bringing people because she asked me how many people are you bring in. I'm like, oh, nobody, yeah. you know. So, uh, so I drove there and I didn't get up, and I was just like, oh, well, I wouldn't have drove two and a half hours up here. Oh, I, know. I wasn't wow. gonna get up, you know. But I watched and and so I just, I, yeah, I started doing it up in Charlotte. And then when I moved back to Miami to go into business <laughs> with my dad, uh, I couldn't. There wasn't anything that was cool like that sketch club. And um, I was working my ass off in the car business, so I would take Wednesday night as my day off, or my night off, my day off, because Wednesday night was the open mic at the Miami Improv. So I'd go to Coconut Grove and go do the open mic whenever I could, yeah. Yeah. and then I started getting, uh, they, they'd always do contests. They love doing these contests. So I'd always make the finals of the contest, because of all the brand new comics, I had two years of actual stage, like, uh, yeah. like I, had sta I wasn't nervous anymore on stage. So I could go up there and fake it better than any of the other open micers, you know, at that point in my career. And so uh, I, I started doing good. And I think it was just luck that there was a void at the time. They needed local MCs because mm -hmm. they pretty quickly were like, hey, man, would you like to MC some weekends? 
And I'm like, well, I can only do one weekend a month because I only have one weekend a month off. Right. And I can't like leave a customer to haul ass down to the comedy club. Yeah. And so I did that like one weekend a month. I'd MC my one, my, I, you know, my, I moved Christy down at that point. Yeah. And she was like, dude, you got one weekend off a month and then you're at the club four nights. Like, you know, and then, uh, and then, uh, I, I moved to the service department, uh, one year. And when I moved to the service department, had regular hours, I called up the improv comedy clubs down there and I said, load me up. I'm ready to work. I will yeah. work every weekend if you want me to because I get off at six. So I was like, I could get in my car and even make it up to the West Palm Improv. They had West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, which is yeah. at the Hard Rock there, yeah. and down in Miami. And then there was another club over in Marco Island that had uh, A headliners coming in there. So I, I would just drive like two hours. So Some nights I'd work all day. I'd get in my car, change my shirt real quick, haul ass to the West Palm Improv, yeah. get there just in time to roll in, uh, start the show, and then you gotta, we used to do three shows on a Saturday back then, right? So sometimes I was there till three in the morning, right? Wow. Just to walk up at the end, cause some headline, one time Paul Mooney went two over two hours. It was Holy like shit. it was like four in the morning, right? Shit. And so I had to go on stage and go, uh, Thanks for coming out, everyone. Drive home safe. <laughs> Goodbye. Like, you know, yeah, I, 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 I wait here just for that because they don't let you leave, you know? Yeah. And then I'd go home. We had babies at the time. Oh, no, we didn't have babies yet. But, I mean, I was still doing this yeah. rigmarole once we had babies. And then uh, I'd have to get up at 7 a.m. to go open the car dealership. Yeah. Or the alarm would go off in the middle of the night. And I had to go, you uh, know, turn the alarm off at the dealership or something, you know? So it was it was years of that, man. I didn't sleep for years. So that's why this barbecue thing in the middle of the night, I'm used yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a baby. <laughs> I've got a good I got a good friend of mine that remembers you from your North Carolina, South Carolina, I guess. Oh, can't wait to hear who this is. Uh Rob Pitts. Do you know do you remember him? He was uh, kind of a uh he he did stand up comedy, radio host. Uh he's he's got a pretty successful YouTube channel now. Was Rob was he on the sports talk station? Yes. Was he yes. was he's he, he, he Dude, I do remember this. Yep. Guy. Here, I'll show you. Hey, Dustin, pull up a picture of Rob Pitts. You'll remember him if you, this was, which he he's lost probably about 130 pounds. You okay. know, since uh, those days, his he is a he was a chunky monkey back then. But because uh, I, I remember there was two or three dudes. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a a, a guy named uh, oh, what was his name QCB or something like that. He'd go, go by images. Let me know when it's up there. It's not the guy from the. It's not the one from the second. Yeah, right there to the right. That's old. That's old fucking rascal fats right there, son. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you remember He's that done guy? Well, that's him. <laughs> that's him. But he. Uh, He's a man. He's a he's a good dude. But he he just he just stand up for man for a long time. So he, there was like two or three dudes that worked in the radio station there yeah. that were all like kind of had one foot in stand up or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's so right. so one of those dudes, um, I don't remember if it was Rob or someone else, but one of those guys told me they were doing a show in their hometown of York, South Carolina, and they were like, "Do you?" So I used to I love sports talk radio. Man. Yeah. So I I was working for Red Bull at the time. So I'd go in to the the red the sports site and just give them free Red Bulls all the time, right? And uh, and then those guys would come out to the show, so they knew me. 
um, from uh, this little club was pretty well known uh, yeah. around Charlotte, and like uh, everyone had a nickname. My nickname was Speedo Dave because I would use any <laughs> excuse to write me wearing a speedo into every sketch. Right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, so we'd go out to lunch. Like me and Christy would go out to lunch, and like the waiter would be like, "Are you Speedo Dave?" And I'm like, I, I was more famous <laughs> my first year doing comedy than I have been since. Like you know, yeah. uh, in well, that little yes. in that little zone, you know. So uh, so one of the sports talk guys uh they hired this one sketch they loved right yeah. they, they loved and so uh it comes up to me and goes hey man i'm producing this show in south carolina and uh it's a little cool down like uh, historic theater and uh i'm gonna MC it and i got a guy to headline it i go but i need a middle uh you do stand-up comedy right and i had done like twice i had done that opener mm -hmm. uh, that five minutes you know openings and ate it both times and, 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 and you I go, said yes. I go, yeah, I'm really good at stand up. <laughs> right? And he's like, do you think you could do 15 minutes? And I was like, mm. like, I have uh, a type five. I sure. can stretch it to 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he goes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do 15 minutes and then do one of your sketches on stage. And then we'll, and then the headline. And I was like, all right, I can figure out a way to do that. Right. Yeah. So I, I wrote 15 minutes of material and I still remember a lot of the jokes from that set too, by the way. Uh, I had a joke about uh, Oprah. She had that O magazine or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then I had a joke about uh, President Bush had those uh, trading cards made with all the like the top 52 wanted uh, like, <laughs> yeah, like uh, tour, or, uh, well, terrorists. Terrorists. Yeah. There you go. And uh, I did a joke about that. And it was like, it was just all these like topical, like yeah. tacky stuff. And so I practiced that set in the mirror all day, every day for like three weeks. Yeah. I, I had that thing so rehearsed. And then I drive down there and the, the opener's on stage and he's doing great. It's his hometown homecoming show, whatever. And then I, I forgot all my jokes. I go, I'm fucked. Why did I agree to do this? <laughs> After oh, you've rehearsed it all, you yeah, forgot. Yeah. Oh, so dude. I grabbed the Sharpie real quick and I wrote my set list on my hand. Okay. And I'm like, all right. and I went out there and I got, when I got the first laugh, uh, I calmed down and I go, I'm all right. And it then does I, help. Yeah. And then I started going in it and I was, I was getting in my mind. I would love to have a videotape. You'd of be it. horrified of yeah. it now, but like yeah. in the, the moment you're like, kill it. No, I, I wish I had a videotape to see because yeah, it probably wasn't that great, but right. in my brain, I was like, I am murdering. Fucking killing it. I, I need to give them time to breathe. I'm really killing crushing. Right? And then, uh, so at the end of my set, I had the, the, the stupid sketch that I was going to do is one I wrote called uh, The Hip Hop and Bass Fishing Hour. Yeah. And so it was like a, it was like a fake, you know, like yeah. cable access. Yeah. And yeah. it was, uh, you know, two white guys who thought they were rappers, you know, yeah. and they were like oh oh shit i got a nibble and every time we got a nibble we would do a rap we'd be like uh come on buddy gotta reel that fish up come on man man you gotta reel that fish up you know and, 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 and like i thought it was a genius so Yo, fly I, fishing rap. yeah so i had a i got a boat a big inflatable boat from walmart and i cut the floor out of it so the the at the from end the skit 
Yeah. So, so the end of the the end of the um my stand up thing, I go, I start like doing a segue into it. I go, man, I go, I want to be on TV one day. I go, you know what my favorite TV show is? It's called the Hip Hop and Bass Fishing Hour or whatever. I go, you guys never heard of it? I go, man, I'll show you a clip. And then the lights go out, right? And the lights go out. And then when the lights come back on, it's me and my buddy sitting in this boat, you know, with the uh, wife beaters on, and uh, and we got real like ki- like little kid fishing poles. And so we're casting the fishing poles into the crowd, right. you know, like yeah. like reeling it up. It's a, I had a box of, cig- of uh, cigarettes tied to the end of it. And I'm throwing them out in the crowd. That's perfect. And so then I did. We did the sketch, and then uh, we went to the back. And he was like, my buddy Brandon was like, dude, that was awesome. They they loved it, whatever. And I'm like, did you hear me get jokes with stand up comedy or get laughs yeah. with stand up comedy? Like, yeah. And, and I, I'll never forget. I think I was almost an asshole about it because I went back to the sketch place and I was just so proud of myself that I just kept telling him, I go, I go, guys, I didn't suck. I was like, God, I did really. That's, I go, that was my yeah. only goal. I accomplished. And, and I think I was like telling them, I should have learned this in human resource management. You can't say good job to one employee in front of another employee because right. what you're basically yeah. saying is bad job to the guy you're not right. saying good job you're to. Right. You're right. So you're right. Uh, I, I went back and I just started telling them how awesome the stand up was and how, how much I love stand up comedy. And I think to them, I was shitting on sketch comedy by saying how much yeah. I loved yeah. doing stand up and what an eye opening experience it was to me. <laughs> but for me, you know, I think the progression was. Uh, when I would, I always liked being funny, right? So when I was writing articles and trying to make them funny, you send them, you write the article, you send it to uh, your editor, your editor changes your words, uh, then it goes out to the paper and uh, you got to wait a week till it goes to print and then someone reads it and then you run into them a week later and then they might go like, hey dude, uh, that was a funny article you wrote, right? I go, mm-hmm. oh cool, you liked it? Yeah. And then I found sketch comedy and I go, oh, sketch is awesome. You have an idea, you write it, you rehearse it for a week, you make changes with your, you, you know, uh, now it's not just someone changing your shit, you're doing it together with your teammates. Yeah. Uh, you put it on stage, uh, you buy the props, you put it on stage, and then you find out whether it's funny or not. I go, stand up, you think of some shit on the way there that night, <laughs> yeah, you right. say it, and you immediately find out whether it's good or not. And I'm That's like, true. I'm, I, I, I like this instant gratification yeah. the most. <laughs> the <laughs> most. <laughs> Least amount of work, yeah. most resu- quickest result. Yeah, so that's why I fell in love with stand-up. How did Bert find you when you were in California? I guess you had already moved to California Dustin, when he found pull up his dates. Um, so Bert was uh, doing well, but he wasn't, you know... He wasn't the level he is now, you know, right. but he was headlining improvs, which is a big deal. Sure. And he had like, you know, travel channel shows, I think already at the time. And, uh, you know, he was doing well with comedy. And uh, it's funny because when I was working those South Florida improvs, you kind of see the same guys come through, uh, you know, like in the rotations. And, mm-hmm. and I had either met or known pretty much everybody, but I never bet. I never met Bert. And he had this um, funny headshot where he was just like, Oy! or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, that guy looks like. He and I would get along. Like, <laughs> he know, looks like, like South Florida to <laughs> me. Because yeah. we, Bert, Bert and I have a lot of the same sensibilities when it comes to just like you know who we are was like it was as like dads and beer drinkers and, mm-hmm. and want, wanting to be the life of the party, like, you know. Yeah. So uh, I just randomly got booked to middle for him up at West Palm, and uh, we came in and we we're he had just bought a house and I had just bought a house in Florida, and we we're just talking about that and like the stress of it and. You know the dad shit, and then he's like, he's like, we did the show, and he's like, you want to go get a beer? And I'm like, yeah. So we went to the bar down the street. We have beers. I have a picture from that night. I'll show you. It's pretty it's funny. Um, 
So we we had beers and then we just had a blast working together the whole weekend. And, you know, I probably was having beers with Bert every night and then driving home two hours and then opening the dealership the next day. Like, right. you know? Oh, it was while you lived in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then whenever Bert would come back, I worked with him two, three more times maybe. We did New Year's Eve weekend together in Marco Island. Uh, I worked in Louisville with him. So I asked Bert one time. Uh, so that was I did all those, and then I just knew Bert after that, right? Right. And I moved to LA, didn't see him for very very much, and then he came and did my festival for me. He did his podcast at my festival every year for a few years. Uh, I threw a little festival in my neighborhood oh, that's uh, cool. before the pandemic for five years. So uh, he'd always support me on that and come out, or I I went and did his podcast once or twice. So I'd see him every now and then, right? Right. And so he told me, um, hey man, I think I'm gonna start bringing guys with me. I, he always liked to support the local comics and just use local openers. But I think he was getting big enough to the point where um, uh, people were fanboying out a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he also he likes to go out and like party with the uh, the the fans and. Yeah. But, so like some guys were just getting drunk and starting fights and he's just like, I need to bring someone so I know that they're going to be professional and have good fun. hangs. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what it was. So he, he told me, uh, do you want to work the road a little bit? And I'm like, yeah, cause I'd pulled my road work back at the time. Cause I was like, I'm paying money to live in LA, but yeah, I'm gone me. like every weekend. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to stay in LA and try to get a little traction. But I'm like, but I would love to go on the road with Bert. So, right. so I went with him like once a month, maybe and did club dates this before <laughs> theaters. And then uh, a little bit after that, he uh, was going to make the jump to theaters. And he was like, hey, they're going to start putting me in theaters. He's like, are you ready to work? I'm like, I'm ready to work. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. That's fucking cool, though, man. Yeah. So he's always been very kind to me, man, and a good friend. And, That's awesome. Um, but it's pretty cool, man. It's cool to see great things happen to good people. Let me see if I pull this photo up. You're going to get a kick out of this. <laughs> that's great. Man, that's, that seems like the dream. I, I just love, the, the biggest thing I love about comedy and why I want to start doing it is just the camaraderie that there are. And I'm sure there's probably backstabbing in, in the industry too, but as the, as the, as a whole, it looks like everybody in comedy is just so supportive of each other. And Bert's a, a good example. Ari Shafir's a great example. He's constantly well, blowing people up. I think it's a lot, it's probably similar to the music industry um, where... There's a lot of, I don't know if there's, it's backstabbing, but there's a lot of like jealousy, you mm-hmm. know, because we all oh, work so hard. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of like, you know, to your face, people being like, hey man, good for you. I saw you got, you know, whatever. And then when they're not there, like, I can't believe that guy got it. Not me. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't understand that. I know it's, but, it's definitely a thing. But I think, I think uh, the comparison I was going to make the music industry is I think that anybody who's really done this and has like struggled and has gone through uh, the just years and years it takes to get to any sort of like level mm-hmm. um, respects and appreciates other people that have walked that path, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So the time that people are dicks, I think, or the people are the ones that got like opportunities early in life or too early. Yeah. Yeah. And then they never appreciate it. Yeah. So then they just look down at the people who, you know, are, are taking longer or whatever, you know, sure. cause they don't, they don't understand. Like, yeah, they haven't they haven't headlined a bowling alley in uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Daytona Beach, you know, done, done, <laughs> to barely make five bucks. Yeah. Like, do, you know? do sets to a staff that works at the bar and, and nobody's there. You just sit yeah. there doing your set to I, I mean, I know that's ahead. I mean, that's part of the 10,000 hours you put in. But that's man, I just I, I'm so enamored with the art of it. And yeah. Seeing everybody like seeing seeing you go from what you've done like starting out and and now you're headlining your own dates and I see you doing shows by yourself too. Just seeing that 
arc happen is just so exciting. I don't have that. And I understand a lot of people do have that jealous bone in their body, but I've just never had, I've always said a rising tide raises all ships. I've always felt that way. That's it. Well, and there's like a thing in comedy too, where there's certain people and certain famous people who specifically bring bad openers. Yeah, that I would oh, never wow. understand. So that they don't have to follow them, you know? <laughs> it makes them look better or yeah. whatever. So, uh, wow. so, you know, a real comic <laughs> wants everybody on the lineup to kill. And, like, Bert's definitely, like, he's like, no, you if you make me work harder, that makes me a better comic, you know? Right, like, right, so. right. I mean, I've, I've seen it at open mics when somebody eats a bag of shit. <laughs> Holy shit, y'all look so different. That's dude. the first night. We, we got to put that up. We got to show that. Here, I can send it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just even at open mics, and I'm on a very, very, very entry level of comedy, but just when somebody does really good right before me, I swear to God, it just it's like resets the room and makes yeah. the room like excited for you to go up. It makes yeah. it so much easier. I, I sent it to you to see if you can afford it to them. Yeah, well, so it like, and that's your job when you open up for Bert is to get everybody excited and fired up for a yeah the uh the we I got to go on the fully loaded comedy tour last summer and uh that was wild because it was like at ballparks and I showed up at the oh, only yeah. one that got rained out I showed up at. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's really? right that's yeah. right <laughs> so uh I I emceed the whole thing and that was less like uh, doing comedy and more like just being like a cruise ship director or whatever right. <laughs> like I was like dude there's there's like seven or eight legends on every lineup i'm like they don't need my they don't need me to tell stories for 10 seconds right. i go i'm gonna get this crowd ready for these other com- yeah so i was on stage shotgunning beers right? oh yeah you knew your <laughs> audience yeah. Like, yeah i was wearing shorts and tank tops on stage <laughs> i was i was making fun of people the crowd i was making fun of the city i was just having fun man i was just like trying to get yeah. people locked and and, and loaded and paid attention. They were doing the drive-ins during the pandemic, man. He was still gigging like crazy during Just the killing pandemic. It. Yeah, doing drive-ins, which nobody else was doing. But Bert was like the one that started that. Shit. I got to tell you, I hope this isn't. Um, I hope this isn't a uh, sound braggadocious or whatever. But I think it's just amazing to wrap your brain around. And I could be way off. Maybe this is me not. This is like the when I did that theater and I'm like, I'm crushing. Right? <laughs> Sometimes I'm not self-aware, by the way. Right? Right, but I think there's a world that this could be true that me personally, Dave Williamson, did more sets in front of a live audience in the year 2020 than any other comic on the earth. Because. Yeah. I did. I had a really busy January, February, March, both with Bert and my own stuff. Right. I did a ton of sets the quarter one of that year. Yeah. And then everybody stopped doing shows, and then uh, and then I went out with Bert and I did all those shirts. I did every single show Bert did. Yeah. Uh, the drive-in movie theater. And, God, that looked fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> So I don't know, maybe like Australia or somewhere where it stayed open and some comics were hustling like all year long. Maybe someone got me there. But uh, certainly I think in the United States, I might have done more sets than any other comics on Earth. Do you get asked to do corporate stuff? So yeah, because I'm you Are know they terrible. Like I'm, I'm I mean, some sometimes you do your art for a paycheck. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we know why you're here. No, <laughs> uh, it looks like it, I've heard comedians talk about corporate events. Which is- so I'll tell you what was cool was uh, <laughs> corporates are they can they can be fun they can be fun um, but they can be bad too um, but. The Christmas parties at the comedy clubs yeah. are rough because they paid for the whole the whole comedy club and they feel entitled, you know. Yeah. And 
nobody wants to laugh at inappropriate stuff in front of their boss. So <laughs> oh, like, yeah. it's just a weird <laughs> dynamic to navigate. But I, I'm fairly clean. Yeah. And so I get booked for that stuff a good bit. Uh, I mean, I've done shows in churches. I've done shows, um, I mean, at, at, in people's uh at their office buildings, yeah. you know, like I, I've done anywhere. I've if someone hits me up and wants to pay me to do comedy, I figure out a way to make it work and say yes, you know. Yeah. But what was cool, what I was gonna say is, uh, during the pandemic, everyone was struggling to figure out what to do for their for their employees, mm -hmm. you know, and everyone was on Zoom and Zoom was becoming a thing. So I was doing Zoom shows in my neighbor's garage. We got a we got a old TV and we hooked it up to his because he's a cameraman for like NBC and stuff. Yeah, and he yeah. was furloughed. Uh, so he's got all the gear. So we set it up in his garage with a backdrop and lights. That's cool. And uh, I was charging uh, a couple grand, right? Like the same thing I would charge like to get on an airplane and fly there. Yeah. I was charging the same amount, but all I had to do was walk over to my neighbor's house. Oh, wow. Do 45 minutes uh, looking at them on Zoom. Yeah. And then... <laughs> You know, give him a chunk and then walk back to my house. That's crazy. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of like, oh, this is the Zoom thing. It's, it, it's work. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And not only that, but it was like during periods of time where, you know, uh, we weren't working a lot or doing a lot of sets. So yeah. like everyone's rusty. Yeah. So yeah. this is already a hard way to do comedy. And then yeah. you put rust on top of it. And I, I had to pull out like a bunch of my old stuff. And do it instead of writing it on my hand, like I put it on a poster board and taped it under the oh, the camera under the camera. <laughs> Dude, I want to read off some of your dates, man. Like this, uh, obviously won't air before some of these, but I see you got let's see Auburn January twenty eighth, Phoenix City the 29th. Yes, tomorrow. Yep, February eighth through eleventh, Temp Arizona with Bird. That'll be. That's we're Super Bowl tempe, weekend. Tempe. Yeah, we're doing a Mullet Arena. And uh, nice. uh, Mark, Mark Norman and uh, Shane Gillis are going to be there, too. So four of us are doing... Uh, <laughs> Shane's fucking hilarious. Oh, they're dude. such good dudes, they're man. Great. They're so funny. So we're doing four nights uh, in an arena there. And then I'm assuming we're probably going to the Super Bowl that Sunday. That'll be that'll yeah. be fun, man. That'll be fun. It's going to be a party. Dude, It's uh, you got a show in an hour and a half. Um, uh, I got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna take you an hour to get yeah, there. Yeah. Man, I got a million questions for you. We'll do it next time, though, for sure. Thank you for coming in, dude. dude. It means the so world much. to us. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, right. uh, uh, follow me on Instagram, guys. Uh, Dave W Comedy. If you like uh, barbecue comedy, water polo, <laughs> <laughs> he's got too many irons on the fire, dude. Yeah. Too many. <laughs> yeah, and I got, I just got in, uh, this is my all-purpose uh, all seasoning that David brought in here. Yeah. Um, I just got uh, restocked. So you can buy this on my website, DaveWilliamsonComedy.com. My, my uh, calendar's up there as well. Uh, I'm coming up to Calgary soon, Grand Rapids uh, later this year. Indianapolis. Um, Indy. Oh, I'm yeah. in Indy. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I got a bunch of stuff I'm about to add to the calendar. So, yeah. Sweet, dude. Wait, thank you again, brother. Thank you, sir. This is awesome. I, I I will make it a, a point to come over here and see you guys uh, next yeah. time I'm in the region, and we'll carve a day out where yeah, we hang sure. out, we smoke some meat, yeah, and uh, oh, smoke yeah. some cigars, and uh, drink some beers, and then we'll podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's pod, let's podcast after a few beers, and then the real stories will come out. I love it. Well, you got a home here anytime you're around, man. I promise you that. Thank so. you, brother. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks. Peace out. Get away with love